All right. So, starting off, I make a what's categorically a rhetorical statement. And that is, who doesn't want to be loved? Amen. Even when we really don't understand what love is or what it means fully, that which we do understand, we desire. Everybody wants to be loved. The babies, the adults. So, in our foundation scripture, as I mentioned earlier, this is often recited and read at weddings. 1 Corinthians 13 um, is known as the love scripture, the love passage. This is actually a letter Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. So that tells me, not only in that, but in studying this, that this is far more than just a man loving a woman and vice versa. Amen. So the word of God reads, starting in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinking cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mystery and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Here's where the scripture shift gears to not only tell, not tell us what love is not, but what love is. Verse four says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angry. Come on now, preacher. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there is, where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. 
I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But I became a man. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Verse 13, and this is the focus verse. And this is the final uh, passage for this scripture. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The word of God for the people of God. Hmm. Paul had a whole lot to chew on in that passage for 13 verses. Isn't it interesting that he shift gears in the middle of talking about all this love to go back to talking about being a child, acting like a child, and then becoming a grown man. Why, why, why do you think he would do that? Is all right if I help you out? The type of love Paul is talking about, this is grown folk. See, he can be talking chronologically. Go with the church. But he can also be talking about maturity. He can also be talking about spiritual maturity. See, most of us, if you've been on this walk long enough, now, now, now I'm about to share some stuff with y'all because I, I know y'all, uh, a lot of y'all might have been born say that wasn't me. I can remember time I go to club Saturday night and go to church on Sunday. Can I adjust the lens? I went to the club Saturday night. And I went to church singing the choir on Sunday. Come on, man. I know it's a preach. Even though I was a grown man, I had a spiritually childish mind. When we start talking about love, what Hollywood commercialism has convinced us of is it's, it's only what feels good. Love sometimes means what's good for us and not necessarily what's good to us. So when he's making this transitional shift from childhood to putting away childish things. It's a maturity in his mindset. What does this have to do in the season of Advent? In printed in, in your program, it explains that Advent comes from the word Adventus, which means a coming or a visit. Or as I like to put it, it's a great expectation for the women in the room who have had children. For the fathers in the room, just bear with me. I know we were waiting and anticipating, but we weren't expecting like the moms. Amen? Amen. 
Advent is an anticipation that's a great expectation. It's a longing and a waiting. And before Christ arrived, they were waiting for the Messiah to come deliver this type of love, this type of peace, this type of hope. So after Christ arrives and gets here, we are now in what we call the second advent. We are waiting for the return of Christ. And here's where the other scriptures come into play. Now Paul has said some, some good words. He said some powerful words. I can remember being a teenager reading these passages. And in that uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, when it says faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest is love. And I said, oh my God, that's saying something. Because we often hear about faith, faith, faith. Even Jesus Christ himself often rebuked his disciples by saying, ye a little faith. But here is Paul is saying, the greatest of these is love. So let's get some Jesus in on it. See what Jesus has to say. In Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. Before I read the actual passage, let me give you some background context. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. Those of you who are looking it up. This is Jesus uh, in, in the public teaching and preaching. And it says one of the experts in the law seeing him decided that he would challenge Jesus. And the challenge was he asked Jesus, what is the greatest command? So when we pick up in verse 29, this is Jesus's response to what is the greatest command. He said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one Verse 30, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Verse 31, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. See, what I love about this is, Jesus answered his question. Now, during Jesus' time, the New Testament hadn't been written because it's being lived. So the scripture that he references when he says, Oh, Israel, he's, this is Old Testament scripture that the experts in the law would have known fully well. But Jesus combined them together and he said, These two are the greatest commands that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Why is that important? Those of us who follow Christ, a Christian love ain't like worldly love. So you can be, you can still be spiritually childish and enjoy worldly love, but you gotta put away your childish ways if you're gonna practice Christian love. So when Jesus says this, 
It's a fair question to say to him, how is this possible? In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, is anybody here with a physical Bible that happens to be King James? Does anybody have a King James Bible here? Praise God. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Would, would you be kind enough to read, read that for us? Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the grace of Jesus is that is that King James? That sounds like NIV. King James read that faith, hope, and charity these three remain, and the greatest of them is charity. Why am I making that a point? If I ask you all what charity was, you all might give different definitions. But one thing we can all agree on, charity involves what? Giving. Not a trick question. Charity involves giving. Now, isn't it interesting that as one of my um, course of study teachers would say, when you're reading that King James Version, when you're using Jesus' Bible, <laughs> that it swaps out when they, uh, in the King James translation, they swapped out love for charity. So that tells me that's important. So, looking up, here, here's what I did. I actually looked up the definition of charity and what the definition gives is according to Wikipedia the practice of charity is the voluntary giving of help to those in need. It's the voluntary giving or help to those in need. This is what charity is. And this is not even a, a biblical definition, but you get that, right? Therefore, love when practiced is the act of giving of something and that something is usually yourself. One of my mentors put it this way. He said, doing the right thing could often be inconvenient. And for the record, he ain't no preacher, but that'll preach. Doing the right thing is often inconvenient. When people are asking you for help and you got what they need, okay, how many of y'all watch Sanford and Son coming up? When one of Fred's friends asking for money, he said, you sure called me at a bad time because I got it. See it? When you have what they need, so then how do we get this love that you're talking about that Jesus is requiring of us? Now watch this. Y'all can tweet this, Facebook it, Instagram it, ink it, whatever. You put it on me. If God asks us of it, ask anything of us, 
that he does not equip us with. That ain't right. You can put that on me. John 14 and verse 21. And this is Jesus again. These are the words of Christ. He said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. This is Jesus. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show them myself. And John, I think it's 5 and 15, Jesus says, when you be in me and I be in you, when we're wrapped up together, you can bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So here are the takeaways, and we're going to wrap it up. Amen? Takeaway number one, love is practiced. Love is practiced in its giving and receiving. So why did I put that part in there about receiving? Some of us will give and give and give and give and give and give. But for this real love to take place at some point, you have to learn how to receive love too. I know that priest church. And my prayer is that for those who suffer like me, I'm a natural giver. Oh, but I had to grow into that receiving space. Two things. You deny others an opportunity to bless you and to practice their love when you don't properly receive. Two. It, two. You don't want God to put you in a position where you have to receive. See, willful receiving a whole lot easier than God of receiving. Stay focused, preacher. Takeaway number two. I repeat one. Love is practice in its giving and its receiving. Takeaway number two. Love is a choice. Love is a choice of willful obedience to Christ. Mm-hmm. I know that preach. Back to this maturing in your faith. One of my comedian friends, Lady J, was saying, you remember the moment you found out the Holy Spirit was real? And what you mean? She said, somebody ran up on my puzzle, and I told her, don't get cut. And she said, in that moment, I knew I had matured in the Holy Spirit. I said, really? She said, yeah, but it's really happened. And the old me would have started cutting before I even gave that warning. Now, now, it sounds like I'm making fun of it, but I'm serious. Maturity, this is still childlike. Love is a choice of willful obedience to Christ. Here's how you know you've grown in the faith. When you love folk that you just couldn't stand. We're talking about Christian love now. We're talking about grown-up love. 
We're talking about what's a grown folk. See, the world say, you got me, I'm going to get you. Christ says that you pray for those who misuse you. Oh my God. And this ain't just for the preachers. If you live long enough, somebody's going to do you wrong. If you practice Christian faith long enough, the Holy Spirit is going to bring that to your heart and say, are you ready to grow up or are you going to remain childish? Ooh, we church, I know this preach. Love is a choice of willful obedience to Christ. Hmm. Number three. Ooh, we. <laughs> I kept trying to figure out how to say this. And sometimes preachers, you just got to sit there and listen to the Spirit. And this is what he gave me. Love is repeated over and again and therefore has no end. Love is repeated over and again and therefore has no end. What you mean, preacher? I'm sure glad you asked, and this is my final point takeaway. When you are practicing godly love, it ain't just one and done. How nice it would be to just say, I forgive them, but they keep coming back. You keep seeing them, or it may come in a different way. So we keep praying, and we keep believing, because watch this. <clears throat> what if they had given up on us? Lord Jesus. I'm going to repeat the takeaways. We're going to have a closing prayer and benediction. Love is practice. Love is a choice. Love is repeated. Receive this closing prayer and benediction. Bow your heads. Stand as you're able. Sorry. Stand as you're able. Heavenly Father, Lord God, during this Advent season, thank you for your hope. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for maturity. Thank you that we are learning going from the Thanksgiving season going through Advent on our way to Christmas, that we are learning to say thank you before we say give me. Lord God, thank you for your very Holy Spirit that you poured onto our hearts. Thank you for open hearts and open minds, Lord God. Thank you for Jesus Christ being obedient unto death on the cross. Thank you for demonstrating your love for us that yet while we were sinners and thought we knew it all, that Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord God. That even in salvation and being filled with the Holy Ghost, that you loved us enough to meet us where we were and where we are, but you love us far too much to leave us there. Thank you for challenging us and calling us to higher ground. Thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to gather in person for a joyous occasion. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace and your mercy and your guidance. Thank you, Lord God, for your peace.
that surpasses all understanding. Now to him who is able to present us spotless and brainless before the throne of, throne of grace, I pray that you keep our hearts and minds both in the knowledge and in the love of Jesus Christ. Amen.